Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Jamie Schmidt, founder of Schmidt's Naturals, one of the top natural deodorant brands in the world. Jamie started making natural products in her kitchen back in 2010. Pregnant at the time, she was searching for a natural deodorant that not only smelled great, but actually worked. This led her to create Schmidt's as it is today, which has been acquired by Unilever in 2017. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Jamie Schmidt of Schmidt's Naturals. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Of course. I'd like to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? I grew up in a a tiny little tourist town um, in Michigan. It's called Frankenmuth. The the town is known for its world famous Christmas store and um, chicken dinners. It's a Bavarian style um, town. Um, So very, very small. Everybody in the city knew each other, um, you know, graduated uh, from from high school and then chose to stay in the state, you know, get my degree from Michigan State University. And then when that was up, um, I was ready to, to pursue something bigger and, and new, uh, but definitely very thankful for those, those humble roots, small town sort of uh, upbringing that I had. Even if I didn't realize it in the moment, looking back, you know, I realized how special it was. Yeah, for sure. Did you have an entrepreneurial mindset, say, sell any products or lemonade stands growing up? Oh, I did. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't have any entrepreneurs in the family. Um, you know, so that path was was something, uh, you know, and that wasn't really on my radar, but I definitely had um, an itch to, you know, kind of be my own boss and, and make money. You know, I did have a couple of fun um, entrepreneurial pursuits in my younger years. Uh, one was a garage sale. Um, every year we would host at my grandma's house in Northern Michigan. And I had my own little table, you know, with my own toys and I would negotiate uh, prices with, with the kids in the neighborhood and, and sell my stuff. Um, and then lemonade stands too. You know, I think um, most kids can relate, uh, but mine was a little, I think mine was elevated. You know, I, I made these little save the date cards with my dad. Um, we would laminate them, pass them around to the neighbors, and you know, make a big deal about the lemonade stand that was you know, coming to town. Um, so I had, you know, I definitely had that stuff. And then um, babysitting. Oh yeah, that was something that I started pretty young. Um, and you know, I'm thankful that my parents encouraged me to save, um, you know, most of my earnings, and you know, realize the importance of you know how that that money could um, add up over time. And then I was able to buy my first car after after um, high school, or I guess in college, um, you know, thanks to so they're saving uh, tips and, and lessons throughout throughout my my youth. Awesome. I saw you went on to study at Michigan State University. Uh, what did you mm-hmm. study there? I actually didn't know what I wanted to get into. I sort of just I chose Michigan State because my brother had gone there and my parents were you know generous and and being willing to to support me with uh, the tuition. Um, so I knew it was a good school. You know I was excited to to have the degree. I just didn't know what to do. So I chose business. Um, it made sense because it was practical and I you know didn't have 
much of a calling, um, you know, anything that was really pulling me. And so I thought, well, I'll get the degree in business and you know, kind of see what happens. But to be honest, I was, I wasn't real proud of it when I was in school because I remember going to these parties and everybody was talking about their major. You know, they were doing all, you know, we had a lot of journalists and people who were studying art and just doing really cool things. And for me, I was like, oh, business, you know. <laughs> um, but later, you know, of course, it ended up serving me well. Amazing. With your time there, you were, were you involved with any athletics or clubs? Um, not so much in college. I, I worked a lot throughout school, actually, though. I jumped around different jobs and was always, you know, trying to make a buck. Um, yeah. Before yeah. before college, I played tennis. So that was always something that was, you know, a part of me uh, throughout my adulthood. But um, I was really focused on um, kind of just being in school and being happy to be outside, you know, the tiny little town I'd grown up in and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, culture and different people and exploring restaurants and things. For sure. Following your time in college and prior to Schmidt, um, what kind of jobs were you working at this time? A lot. You know, I, I have my social security report that I was looking at recently, and it shows <laughs> I had 22 jobs in my in my lifetime, which wow. is pretty nuts. So I was jumping around. I had um, I was making subs, you know, at a sub shop. I had worked in the cafeteria, scanning student ID cards. Um, I had some internships, you know, over the summers where I was a file clerk. Uh, all sorts of things. And then af- at graduation, I got a degree or excuse me, I got a, a job working for a staffing company. Mm. Uh, so I was recruiting um, employees for, for other jobs, but still feeling, you know, kind of lost. Like it just didn't feel right. And so I, I actually went on to get a master's degree. after I had relocated to Chicago a year after I graduated from Michigan State um, and then went on to get a master's in sociology, mostly just sort of as an excuse to um take a little bit, you know, work a little bit more part time and just explore something that might lead to, to something new for me. Um, but still, you know, kind of feeling very confused about my future. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Jamie's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Solomon. Premium outdoor shoes, apparel, and accessories. With running outdoors being a major stress reliever for my work, I count on Solomon to carry me through each and every workout. Solomon strives to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Make sure to check out Solomon for yourself at Solomon.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. And then in 2010, around this time, this is when uh, Schmidt begins. What led you to start experimenting with natural deodorants? Yeah, uh, you know, I a few things. One, I was pregnant, and so I was paying closer attention to the products I was using on my skin and I wanted something healthy and natural. I was also broke. You know, I had been working a social worker job still along this you know, kind of soul searching journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so my income was, was very low. And I also was just uh, really embracing this sort of DIY lifestyle you know, living in Portland, a really creative city and everybody was a you know, maker of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was making all sorts of things and personal care products uh, was just one of many. And I was really enjoying the products and started sharing them with you know some friends, family who also thought they were great. So I took them out uh, to the farmers market locally, and um, you know still at this point having no real plan to start a business. But once I started talking to customers, hearing their feedback, I realized there was a you know real potential in what I was doing, and I thought, hey, maybe this is my opportunity to break through into a new career path. And so I, I made it a business. Uh, you know, the first couple of years I, I took it slowly. I wasn't you know fully committed full time to going all in and you know, I wasn't raising capital or anything. And so I had a, a couple of little side jobs, you know, as, as I was growing the business and then it started to really gain traction. And within a few years, you know, I had really significant distribution and that's when I went all in and quit the other jobs and um, the rest is history. Amazing. 
So how did you discover what recipes would work then? Like the prototyping process, what did that look like? And yeah. what specific recipes, like how would you discover those? That was definitely very trial and error. Um, I don't have a you know degree in chemistry. And <laughs> I get asked that question a lot, you know, we're yeah. scientists. Um, but more it was just this excitement for what I was doing. And so I was constantly on Google, you know, researching uh, what different ingredients might serve different purposes. And all the ingredients I chose for my products were very um, like pantry, pantry items, right? Like nothing incredibly sophisticated. There were things that were easy, easy to find, but it was just that right combination of, of the ingredients and, and the you know, manufacturing techniques. And I'm not going to lie, there was a lot of bad batches in the early years of a lot of different iterations. And some of it, you know, I took to the market with me and just, I knew it wasn't perfect, but I knew it, it would evolve and that in talking to customers i would i would perfect it and so you know even several years into the business the product took a few different you know shapes and forms and it was was continuously improving for sure if you can recall from first launching the business and selling to your first customers what products or fragrances did you first launch with mm. yeah i love fragrance i've always been a big like essential oil junkie and <laughs> Um, have all sorts of, you know, b bottles of oils. And, um, but I wanted to create some scents that were different from what was on the market. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of natural deodorants on the market at the time anyway. And the ones that were, were sort of cliche, you know, you find like your lavender scents. And um, so I was like, oh, there's big opportunity to create some fun, interesting scents. And so I really started with my own intuition, like what I liked and what I thought smelled good. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. from there, I started building, you know, with the customer feedback. So it was really a mix of my own personal tastes and getting feedback from customers. I did hear some requests for some of the more mainstream, like lavender. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. I did end up incorporating that. Um, you know, but I made it interesting. I combined it with sage to you know add another element of, of level of the fragrance there. Um, but it was fun. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of formulating is, is deciding what fragrance is and balancing the different levels. And um, another element of that too is the way the fragrances sound on pack. So for example. Um, you know, I had a cedar wood and juniper. And so there's a mm. lot of intention that went behind not just the fragrance pairings, but the way they sounded yeah. together. So yeah, there's like some psychology there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, at this time, what your, were your main forms of marketing then to make, I mean, it's an industry that's definitely, mm -hmm. I mean, pretty tense. How would you stand yeah. out at the time? Yeah, the the first couple of years, there was a lot of customer word of mouth. Uh, YouTube was huge. We had a lot of um, you know influencers on on YouTube sharing the story of Schmitz and spreading the word. Um, and then you know Facebook ads back then too. This was probably around 2013 when we started to really look into that. Were still very affordable and effective, and um, so definitely jumped into that pretty early. Um, but I, I can't believe the, the power of the word of mouth in the earliest days. You know, I, I bootstrapped the business, so I didn't have a big marketing budget at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it helped. I brought my, my husband on a few years into the business and he took on the marketing and got strategic with, with the ads and things and, um, Google, you know, was of course a, a friend and, um, but yeah, it was looking back. I, I don't know that, you know, a brand today could pull off what I pulled off back then. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. so much more competitive. Yeah. So with data that you found around demographics from the start, um, does that kind of correlate with Smitch today? And if so, what do those demographics kind of look like for your products? Yeah, I think the demographic has changed or it's at least expanded a lot. Um, when I first started Naturals, we were still very niche, um, you know, kind of new across different categories. And that was actually one of my goals early in the business was to make Naturals mainstream. And I thought there's so much opportunity here to tap into a new customer base 
that is completely oblivious to naturals or skeptical. Um, and so in doing, you know, building the business, I was looking at distribution channels that were reaching beyond naturals. So, you know, Whole Foods Market was great, but where I wanted to be was like Target, Costco, Walmart, mm-hmm. um, where you're finding, you know, these, these people who are new to naturals. And that is, was opened up huge opportunity for me. Um, and I really think, you know, Schmidt's helped pave the way for other brands who are trying to tap in. And um, it's not easy to break through. And you, there's a whole perception, you know, that had to be changed, that naturals are ineffective or that they're, you know, for a certain type of person. So uh, it's really cool to see that evolution there. Amazing. So looking at Schmidt's today, if someone would, were to ask you, uh, what would you say you're attempting to change or make aware in the personal care industry, specifically with naturals? Yeah, I think again, that's that stigma, right? Like naturals can work, mm-hmm. um, but when we don't need scare tactics to, to sell it. I think a lot, of, a lot of the earlier brands, you know, that's what they relied on was this messaging around like, ooh, you know, you don't want aluminum in your products because it's going to cause, you know, X, Y, Z diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it was more like what's in the product, what makes the ingredients great, you know, and, and that they're for everybody. Mm. Overall, with uh, other naturals or just um, other mainstreams out there, what would you say differentiates Schmidt from your competitors? Both product, uh, customer care, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, our effectiveness, you know, we're known for being you know, one of the most effective natural deodorants. And we actually were the first uh, to be certified natural, which is a huge accomplishment um, that happened last year. Um, so that's really cool. And that was a nice uh, differentiator for us because that process is so rigorous. You know, there's a lot that went into um, vetting, you know, how we source and our materials and um, all our operational practices again scenes that went into the certification so we have that you know i think the founder stories is definitely a differentiator too mm. there have been a lot of brands that have come up since schmidt started but you know not many that really started with this you know kind of maker scene where i where i started and so having yeah. you know the founder who you know one was the target customer and who just really you know built this from nothing but a but a love for you know ingredients and in the community and um, i think that'll continue to Schmidt's ahead. Mm-hmm. Having products now in oral care, soap, home care, and of course deodorant, um, I presume mm-hmm. deodorant remains your specialty. If so, uh, what is your top seller today, if you know? Yeah, it's definitely the deodorant. Um, I'm not sure which scent, but if I had to guess, I'd probably say our charcoal magnesium. That one's been a, a top seller, a big hitter across um, all age groups, and um, definitely one of the probably known to be one of the more effective blends. We have several different uh, formulas. There's our you know, original, we have our sensitive skin formula, and we've um, dabbled in a few other um, as well. And the charcoal magnesium is probably one of the top top sellers for sure. Amazing. Well, uh, this weekend I was actually on a trip with a couple and the lady pulls out her toiletry kit and mm-hmm. I, I saw Schmitz actually, she pulled out her deodorant oh. stick and I was shocked because I, I knew I was interviewing you this week and I mentioned that to her. Um, even though you're in the business for quite some time now, I'm wondering like if you still get that feeling or what is it like to see your products that you've worked so hard for in the wild, on the retail mm-hmm. shelves, et cetera? It's so cool. It's, you know, it, it, it never gets old. Um, one of the first things, I don't even go into stores a whole lot anymore. You know, yeah. even, uh, everything's easy to order online. <laughs> but when I do, like that's the first aisle that I go down is the deodorant aisle. I want to see Schmitz. I want to see that it's you know taken care of on shelf and that it looks pretty and that it has good placement and that you know what other brands are coming up around me and mm-hmm. uh, that's really fun and I every time you know my son's with me he takes a picture holding the deodorant and <laughs> um, you know my son is 11 and he I was pregnant when I started the company so he's literally been there from day one and mm-hmm. kind of considered himself the co-founder uh, <laughs> so it's 
it's fun to see him, you know, engaging with the product on shelf too. That's awesome. Well, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that mm -hmm. be? Maybe something you've learned or regret? Just anything. Yeah. Um, I think generally just um, challenge your assumptions. You know, one specifically one area where I think that's important is with who your customer is. You know, I think Schmitz is a great example of, um, you know, we can make this assumption that there's only this type of person who's going to use natural deodorant, but there's so many more customers out there who want and, and need it. Mm. Um, so just, you know, starting niche makes sense, but keep a very open mind about, about who that might be. Um, but yeah, challenging your assumptions across everything, right. And just yeah. being flexible. Don't look too far ahead. I think I've made a tweet about this recently about, I think a lot of founders get stuck by really thinking they have to have this really rigid sort of, you know, one-year plan, five-year plan and, and end goal. But yeah. What worked for me was just taking it day at a time and you know, celebrating each win and you know just take a deep breath and <laughs> mm -hmm. keep showing up every day. For sure. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Schmitz at schmitz.com. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.